0: You are listening to a sermon by Ted Hamilton, Senior Pastor of New Life Presbyterian Church in Escondido, California. For more information about New Life, visit us online at newlifepca.com. That's N-E-W-L-I-F-E-P-C-A dot com. Good morning. Welcome to New Life Presbyterian Church. This is a special Sunday. As James has already told you, uh, we are, of course, uh, like we do on every Lord's Day, uh, which is the center and pinnacle of the week, we are uh, focusing our eyes on Jesus and worshiping uh, our triune God. But as part of that worship, we are equipping uh, his church by installing uh, Pastor Robin. Uh, as an associate pastor, and that may some, confuse some of you because P- Pastor Robin has been a pastor here now for four years. Uh, in in the ch- polity of our denomination, the Presbyterian Church in America, we make a distinction between an assistant pastor and an associate pastor. Uh, Robin has been. Uh, working here as an assistant pastor. An assistant pastor is called by the elders uh, and is not a voting member of the session, which is the body of elders. An associate pastor, on the other hand, is called by the congregation. He's called by you and becomes a a voting member uh, of the session. And so today, while Robin's, Day-to-day work here, uh, as our executive pastor, will not change. Uh, his move from assistant to associate pastor, as you have called him, uh, now makes him uh, a voting member of the session, and uh, it's, a, it's a special day, and it's an acknowledgment of, of the gifts uh, that we have seen in Robin and so appreciate. So we're going to look at a text that is appropriate to this occasion, which is uh, both, of course, worship uh, and the installation of a minister. And that text records a prophetic vision that Zechariah was given, the prophet Zechariah, uh, about the installation of a high priest a man named Joshua. Now, that's not the same Joshua uh, that most of us think about. Joshua, the colleague uh, of Moses and the, and the one who led the uh, people of Israel into the promised land. That's a much earlier Joshua. Uh, this is a man by the same name uh, who is going to be... Uh, the high priest now in, in a reconstituted Israel, right? This is post-exile. Uh, they have been, Israel was conquered by Babylon, taken into slavery uh, in Babylon. And now after 70 years, they have returned. And the, uh, the priesthood uh, is being restored. And that's what this vision is about. That's the vision Zechariah sees about this new high priest Uh, named Joshua. The text is Zechariah chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 10. If you don't have a Bible, it's printed for you in the worship folder. And we're going to reinstitute a uh, practice uh, that we um, normally do at New Life, and that is, if you are able, uh, please stand for the reading of God's word. Zechariah chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. This is Zechariah speaking, then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, O Satan, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments and the angel said to those who were standing before him remove the filthy garments from him and to him he said behold I have taken your iniquity away from you and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments and the angel of the Lord was standing by. And the angel of the Lord solemnly assured Joshua, thus says the Lord of hosts, if you will walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and have charge of my courts and I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, for they are men who are a sign. Behold, I will bring my servant, the branch, for behold, on the stone that I've set before Joshua, on a single stone with seven eyes, I will engrave its inscription, declares the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of this land in a single day." In that day, declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor to come under his vine and under his fig tree. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to worship you and also to install uh, Robin Lee as an associate pastor here, we ask that you would speak to us through this word in order that we might love you with all our hearts and serve you with great respect. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's a fascinating vision. I'm not gonna deal with every detail here. We've got a lot going on today and I just uh, can't uh, get into all the details. If you're interested, I preached, uh, we preached through Zechariah years ago here at New Life. It's still on the website uh, and there is an early sermon on this same passage that gets uh, more into depth and all of the details. I'm gonna be focusing on, on really the main thrust today. You know, I've read that 70% of men and women experience or have experienced what is sometimes called imposter syndrome. Have you heard of that? I I know I have experienced it. It's it's that feeling uh, that you're pulling a fast one over on other people. It's the it's this inner belief that uh People think you're more competent than you really are. I I experienced that both as an attorney and I have certainly experienced it as a minister. I've also read that one of the most common dream scenarios that we experience is the uh, nightmare of being naked in public places like work. I've also experienced that dream. Uh, you're exposed, you're ashamed, uh, embarrassed, you wanna hide, but you can't hide. A number of studies, been, there are interesting studies, I read, I read a number of them, uh, have shown that it is very common, almost universal for the dying to have regrets about uh, the way they live their lives. You might remember the, the poignant closing scene of Saving Private Ryan, right? When the senior, now senior citizen Ryan is standing before the grave of the soldier who saved his life at the cost of his own And he looks over to his wife and says, tell me I've led a good life. Tell me I'm a good man. He's seeking that reassurance because he doubts it. And of course, we're all familiar, all too familiar, with our culture's relentless pursuit of self-improvement whether through education or organization or various techniques or exercise, even surgery. So I've identified four phenomena, imposter syndrome, naked dreams, dying regret, self-improvement. What do these four phenomena have in common? The answer is that they all tap into something we deeply instinctively know about ourselves, whether we're religious or not, whether we acknowledge the, the existence of God or not. And that deep thing that we know is that as as creatures in the presence of the Creator, we don't measure up. That you and I have not lived a life good enough for God. That you and I actually do have reason to be embarrassed, to hide before the face of God. That runs deep. Now this vision that we just read of a courtroom trial in heaven actually gives us the way forward. It gives us the way to respond to, to this deep, uncomfortable truth about ourselves. So I have just two points today as we approach Robin's installation. First, the deep truth about you. And second, and more importantly, the deeper truth about God. So it's the deep truth about you and it's the deeper truth About God. First, the deep truth about you. Joshua is standing before the angel of the Lord in this divine courtroom scene, right? And we're told in verse 3 that his vestments are filthy. That is a polite translation. Uh, The root Hebrew word. Uh, that is politely trans- translated "filthy," uh, actually describes human excrement. So the scene is is super gross. It's, it's a really gross scene, and it's also symbolic, like 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 prophetic vision usually is because in verse 4 we learn that this that the filth on on Joshua's robes represents his iniquity his sin right when the when the robes were removed from him he's notified that his iniquity has been removed his sin and standing right there next to Joshua in this courtroom scene is is Satan that is actually a uh, uh, also just a Hebrew carryover word. It's, it, the, the Hebrew word is satan. Now, it, in, in, in the text, it has a, the definite article. It's the satan. It could be the accuser because a satan was, in effect, a prosecutor, an accuser. But that is, of course, what Satan does. So it's, 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 uh, it's very possible that this might be a general reference to an accuser, or it might, in fact, be Satan himself. It's fine. It's, I, I, I tend to agree with the, with the judgment call the ESV made and, and say Satan, because that's really what Satan does. We think of him as a tempter. He's really an accuser. And he's very ready, like any good prosecuting attorney, to, to accuse him. Now, what's interesting is, and I actually did, didn't notice that this until this week as I, as I re-looked at this um, passage because I've always imagined it as uh, Joshua standing there in these filthy robes, Satan there, and, and, and Satan bringing his case uh, against um, Uh, um, uh, against Joshua. Uh, But uh, in fact, that doesn't happen, right? He's, he's, uh, the Lord cuts him off, uh, doesn't even let him speak. Now, we know his accusations would have not been baseless. I mean, they would have been founded in fact. Joshua is, in fact, standing there in these soiled robes representing sin, he's clearly not qualified to be the high priest. And there's really nothing he can do about it. I mean, right? And what we typically think about sin is, well, let me just balance it out with enough good behavior, right? Let me, let me work it off, you know? Go, make me the high priest. I, I, it, you know these robes will work if I do enough good high priestly work. You know it, it'll I'll, I'll clean up. It doesn't work that way. You know it's it's sort of like my sweet grandkids. Um, they will come over to our house and go out into our backyard to play, and in that play they get they get all muddy and dirty like kids should. Uh, and sometimes in the course of that play out in the backyard, they'll pick some fruit or flowers and, and bring them in to Linda and me in the house as, as sweet gifts. I mean, it's just, it's, it's heartbreakingly sweet. All the while, tracking mud in on our white carpet. Now, we don't mind. We, you know, we don't, we love it. We don't mind the mud but but that that is an illustration, right? That even our best acts, our most loving acts, are, are, are you know don't get of don't get rid of sin. They just sort of spread it around. You see, Joshua needs what he gets here. He needs a complete stripping down and a complete reclothing with clothes that he doesn't have and clothes that he can't produce. He needs pure vestments, holy vestments, the kind of purity and holiness that human beings can't produce. So that's the deep truth about you and me, and even about the pastor we're installing today, right? We are sinners. We are in and of ourselves unfit for God, and there's nothing we can do by ourselves to change that reality. We all, like Joshua, need a power. We need a holiness that is outside of ourselves, which gets us right into our second heading, and it gets us into the good news, which is the deeper truth about God. As I said, right, even though Satan was eager to press his accusations against Joshua, he never gets a word in. God, as, as judge from the get-go, shuts down the prosecution. He rules the accusations out of order before they're even made. Why? On what basis does God do that? He doesn't really even let Satan speak. And the answer is in verse 2 because God he's, has chosen Jerusalem and he's chosen Joshua. Joshua is the brand, that is the, the smoldering stick that God has uh, chosen to pull out of the fire. And I want you to get that point. Don't miss this point because this is an important one. The point here that we learn from this vision is that God's sovereign choice always and absolutely prevails over Satan's accusations. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ today, you are the product of God's sovereign choice And that choice prevails over Satan's accusations every day, every time. But God does more than a human judge here, doesn't he? Right? a human judge really has one task and that is to, to decide whether a person, to adjudicate whether a person is guilty or not guilty. Right, it's not guilty or innocent. We, the, the law doesn't make that distinction. It makes it. It says you're not guilty. But here, uh, besides ruling the prosecution out of order, even though Joshua is obviously guilty, God does something that n- that no human judge does he gets up he walks in effect walks around the bench comes down in front of the bench and makes takes the extra step of actually making the defendant innocent righteous and of course all of this is by grace right We've been singing about grace. James talked about grace. The undeserved, unmerited favor of God toward an unqualified sinner, right? Joshua does nothing here, right? He doesn't even speak. He's just standing there in these gross robes but God graciously orders those those excrement soiled robes to be removed and then clothes Joshua with pure vestments, vestments that make him suitable to be in the presence of God. They're holy. And if it isn't clear enough that that this is happening by God's choice and by God's grace, I want you to notice that That God's commands to Joshua, right, he does give a command to Joshua uh, to, uh, you know, do his job as high priest. But those commands only come in verse 7 after he's been divinely reconstituted by grace. Right? It's not prove yourself to me. It's not go get the broomstick of the wicked witch of the West and then maybe you can be the high priest. No, God by grace makes him the high priest, clothes him with those pure vestments and then tells him what to do. It's a reminder that what you do as a believer in Jesus is always, always responsive to the prior grace of God. Your godly living, your obedience is the way you honor the grace that you've received. It's the way you express gratitude for the grace that God has poured down on you. It's not the way you earn it. Grace earned is not grace. And we, ha- we actually don't even have the ability to earn it. God plucks us out of the fire. So, you can see the parallels, I hope, between this scene, even though it might be remote, right? A a heavenly courtroom. But you can see the parallels between Joshua and our experience. You and I are disqualified sinners, you and I are chosen by God solely by His love and by His grace. You and I because of that choice and because of that grace are not brought down by the accusations of the accuser. You and I are freely given a righteousness that we can't generate on our own and you and I obey our obedience, our our godly living is responding to God's prior love and prior grace. That's all good but you know how does it actually happen right how does this vision connect to your reality right we're in San Diego County in 2021 we're not up in a courtroom in heaven you don't receive you know you, you don't you, you don't receive new garments from from God uh that you get that you wear around uh how does the reality of this vision, the substance of what this vision is communicating, how does it actually come into your life? How do you receive grace? how do you how are you forgiven your sin? Well the answer gets us to an even deeper truth about God look at look at verse eight. This is the high priest, right who's who's standing by, or excuse me, the angel of the Lord, who's, who's standing by and, and, and explains that um, here now, he says, O oh Joshua the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, for they are men who are a sign. Now, what's being communicated there is that, is that Joshua himself and this, this courtroom drama are, are signs, they're portents. They are, they are things that point to the future. They're, they're pointers to a uh, something that's gonna be realized in a greater way in the future. What we're seeing is is, is not the the final reality. It's a sign that's pointing to the final future reality. And that reality is going to be realized also, verse 8, when God does something that sounds a little mysterious and a little obscure here, when God sends his servant the branch. What's that about? It, it sounds odd, it sounds obscure, but actually both of those words, servant and branch, are, 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 are that's the language of the Old Testament prophets. You know, as, as the Old Testament prophets looked into the future under the power of the Holy Spirit, right, they saw the Messiah and, and he was ver- described in various ways and one of the ways he's described is as a servant he's the servant of the lord mysteriously he, this servant of the lord is also a sufferer he's the suffering servant of the lord the the one that the prophet who probably most developed this servant imagery of the messiah was isaiah right he has a number of servant songs in, in his prophecies that that talk about the coming Messiah as this suffering servant. And if if you want to see a beautiful picture uh, of the coming Messiah, look at Isaiah 53. The suffering servant uh, of of the Lord. And it, it was Jeremiah who talked most about uh, the, the, this, the imagery of the Messiah as a branch. What, what that typically referred to was that he would he would spring out of, he would grow out of like a like a branch out, out of a tree. He would grow out of the line of David. That this Messiah would be mysteriously divine, but also very human. He would be a human descendant uh, of David. This branch. Jeremiah 33, verses 14, 15, and 16. This is Jeremiah talking. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah in those days. And at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. Great prophecy. And this branch, this human descendant of David, we learn from verse 9, will remove the iniquity of the land in a single day. Now, it should be becoming clear, right? It's, I'm sure for most of you it's been clear already, but uh, what brings this vision home to you, what actualizes the truths embodied in this vision is none other than Jesus Christ himself. And it's fascinating to think that Jesus himself was actually in this courtroom scene. The angel of the Lord is there. And the angel of the Lord, even in these 10 verses, is mysteriously described. Sometimes he's, he's, it's clear that he's apart from the Lord, he's separate from the Lord. At other times he speaks as if he's the Lord. And and that's how it is with the angel of the Lord throughout the Old Testament. He's he's described in ways that blur the distinction between uh, is is this a, is this a, a you know a, a, some separate being or is it, or is it God? Well, the answer is it's, it's both. It's G- most commentators believe that this is a Christophany. This is a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ standing by, watching this vision, uh, you know, uh, acting in this, in this uh, vision, giving a sign about what he's going to do in the future, that this is all about him and, and what he's going to do. But, you know, like a lot of visions of the prophets, they are, you know, they're symbolic, of course, Uh, and they're also, they, they don't answer all the questions. You know, for example, this vision doesn't say what happens to the dirty robes. Right? Who dealt with those? What happens to that sin? Yeah, you know, I think that we often functionally believe that God deals with sin like the one eight hundred got junk guys. Have you seen their ads? They run all the time. Right? Their slogan is, uh, you know, just point and junk disappears. That's the and and the ads, you know, have you know, person, you know, point at this pile of junk and it. It vanishes. Um, Well, that's a cute slogan, and, and it's a simple special effect, but it's not how the Lord deals with sin. The Lord won't deal with sin that way. He actually, by his character, cannot deal with sin that way. God is just, God is fair, God is holy. He's not going to just brush sin under the rug. He's not going to make it disappear. He's going to make it right. He's going to make sure its penalty gets paid. That's how it works, right? Use this example before. We, you know, the, we, uh, you, 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 you negotiate a, a debt removal with your bank or a debt forgiveness with your bank. You know, that's a great day when you can negotiate a debt forgiveness and, and, and you get a signed document that says, you know, your, your, your debt is forgiven. Well, it, it might feel to you like, you know, like the 1-800, you know, got debt thing just happened. Poof, the debt just vanishes. Well, it doesn't vanish. The fact that that, that debt has been forgiven you only means that someone else In this example, the bank is bearing the debt. It's bearing the pain. It's paying the cost. Somebody always does. It's because God is just and God is holy. So he's not going to ignore sin. He's going to make it right. And that's what Jesus did. That's the unseen part of the vision that brings it home to you and to me. Think about it. Think how Jesus sort of reverses the story here. Joshua was clothed in pure vestments. Jesus had all his clothes completely stripped off his body. Joshua had a clean turban placed on his head. Jesus had a crown of thorns pressed into his head until the blood ran down his face. Joshua was chosen to be saved. Jesus was chosen to be sacrificed. Joshua was snatched from the fire. Jesus was thrown into the fire. He descended into hell. Joshua was forgiven of his sin. It was taken away. Jesus, who had no sin, took that sin. Took it so deeply, so completely that he became sin and paid the penalty for it in full by his death on the cross. Joshua was not righteous, Jesus was perfectly righteous. And that perfect righteousness of Jesus was earned by him for the account of his chosen forgiven people. Friends, this is the deeper truth. It's the deeper truth of God. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no deeper, there's no more wonderful truth. This is how much Jesus loves you. He accomplished your salvation, in fact the salvation of the world, in a single day on a cross outside of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. And this is what qualifies Robin, this is what qualifies me. This is what qualifies all your pastors. And this is what qualifies each of you as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. We're forgiven and we're covered in the righteousness of Jesus by what he did. And if you're not a believer in Jesus here today, you need to know, please hear this, there is nothing you have done, there is nothing you have left undone. There is nothing you have imagined, there is nothing you have lusted after that cannot be forgiven and covered by the righteousness of Jesus All you must do is turn to him and trust in Jesus and what he did for you. We have the great privilege and joy of installing Robin today as our associate pastor, one of our associate pastors. And that's an acknowledgement of of the great work he has done and the and the gifts that he has but i don't want you for a moment to think that there is a qualitative difference between robin or me or any of the pastors or elders and you you know we aren't pastors because we are holier We're all just like Joshua, right? And we all, because we believe in Jesus, are covered in the holiness and the righteousness of Jesus. Ground, as we say here often at, at New Life, the ground is level at, at the foot of the cross. We, we we all equally need the saving grace of Jesus. We all have equally received the forgiveness of Jesus and the righteousness of Jesus. So we don't push ourselves forward. We don't ask you to look at us. We push Jesus forward. We say, fix your eyes on Jesus. You know, that's one of the reasons why the pastors here at New Life do not wear clerical robes It's one of the reasons why the pastors here sit in the congregation during the worship service rather than in fancy chairs up front. We do not want the attention of anyone drawn to anybody but Jesus Christ and him alone. And as it says in verse 10, this gracious freedom-granting, fear-crushing Redeemed, abundant, and forgiven life that we will enjoy forever, starting now at the right hand of God, is, is is a reality that we ultimately enjoy together, not in isolation, not as rugged individuals, but together. We come together to celebrate who we are and what we have in Jesus, and we invite others to join in. And that's why we've, you know, we, we've got this prayerful challenge going uh, in this Easter season to, to be praying about people in our circles who don't know Jesus, that we can invite to come to new life, to sit under the trees And to hear this good news. This great, deep truth about Jesus and his love for us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for this vision you gave Zechariah. Thank you for what we learned by looking at Joshua the high priest. And and thank you that... In fact, our eyes are, are, are now not fixed on Joshua the high priest, but on Yeshua the Messiah. Lord, thank you for the work you did in paying the penalty for our sin and earning the righteousness that we couldn't earn and covering us with it. Thank you for the peace, the strength, the freedom that that gives to us. And Lord, I pray that that we would respond appropriately, that that our lives would be godly and full of obedience and and boldness as we get out there and and invite people to hear the story, your story, the the, the, the deep truth story of Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. You've been listening to Ted Hamilton, Senior Pastor of New Life Presbyterian Church, Escondido. Please visit us in Escondido, California, or online at newlifepca.com. New Life Presbyterian Church, Escondido reserves all copyrights as applicable by law. Thank you for listening.